Hello and welcome to Between the Lines, where we bring the passion, humor, and humanity back into business conversations. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Peter Jay. He is a consultant in emergency medicine at St. Thomas's Hospital and has been leading a team in the eye of the storm of this COVID-19 pandemic. Peter has been pioneering the world of simulation training for doctors and works with a number of global organizations to develop best practices in healthcare simulation. He has also researched and published numerous academic papers on how to create resilient, high-performing teams in medicine and the integration of clinical human factors. As a leader in emergency medicine, he has a wealth of hands-on experience in how to maintain resilience, adaptive capacity, and compassion when faced with crisis and disruption. In recognizing how much business can learn from this experience, he has masterfully set up a business, IncaCR, that develops leaders and teams drawing on the approaches and strategies used so well in medicine. Without further ado, sit back and enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Peter J. Peter, welcome to Between the Lines. Thanks so much for having me, Peg. It's brilliant to be here. It's so great to have you here because we've had a lot of business discussions and talks, and I think the last year has been about leadership and transformation, not only in the business world, but absolutely in your world. And, and you're a doctor and you work in ER, um, you're a consultant in emergency medicine. I just want to hear what you've been up to in the last year. Um, I don't know why you became a doctor because it's not something I'd ever want to do. I am so far removed from any skill sets there. But uh, um, I do want to acknowledge you and the NHS for the amazing, amazing stuff that you've done in the last year and all healthcare workers all around the world. I mean, just to acknowledge that it, it, it has been a, a very probably crazy and traumatic year. But, but before we get into that, let's just, uh, I just want to see, do you think things are easing up? Are we in the middle? Um, are we, like if there was a map and there you are here, are we past the middle? Is there any hope to well, get up together in a month or so? <laughs> um, well, I, I hope so. Um, I, I'm I'm not an, I'm not an expert on on COVID and the epidemiology of the of the disease itself, but you know I know something about how to treat it, and I know how busy it is right now. Uh, and um, it's certainly a lot it's a lot less busy than it was in January. Uh, thank goodness, thank God. And at the moment, we seem to be in a pause, and we're hoping that that will last, and that vaccination program continues, and we don't get any more variants that that cause us more problems. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful, um, but cautiously hopeful. Let's put it that way. So for all the wonderful people listening in, I I will let them know that Peter and I met in emergency in an emergency room, but here's the but: I was wearing the scrubs, and he was sitting back and watching and all relaxed. But we're going to come to that a bit later on. I do want to just jump into again. So so where did it start for you, for you in terms of? The, becoming a doctor was that was that something you always wanted to do? So, so, so what made you come into this profession? I was quite unwell when I was a kid. Unfortunately, I spent a fair amount of time in hospital uh, around the age of seven. I think it formed there. I think I I decided that I wanted to be a doctor. And uh, I interestingly, I also met some I met some great healthcare professionals, and I didn't I met some some that weren't so great as well. And I really made it that really formed a clear picture of what kind of doctor I wanted to be. And to be honest with you, apart from a little waiver, you know, thinking about whether, you know, that when I, as I got to my late teenage years, thinking about whether I should do something else to, you know, maybe be do law. I, I did medicine. I was all, all the way through basically focused on medicine. 
So yeah, it, it formed in me very early. So my daughter says she wants to be a doctor at seven. I got to take you seriously. I yeah, want- perhaps you might. Have to wait. You never know. Wow. But yeah, I, I think it just it just fascinated me the the the, the, the whole sort of process of um, it's it's got a really it's got an amazing combination when you actually get to practice. It's 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 a really it is a great job. So so tell us a little bit about what an emergency kind of room looks like and 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 how how the team operates because I think. That's some of the uh, the points I found very interesting when I was there a year ago. Is is the similarities between highly stressed kind of business people and um, and an emergency room where you've got to really kind of be on your wit. There are different areas of the of the of the of the department with varying levels of intensity at times. Um, so the highest intensity areas of a resuscitation room, which is where we were sort of meeting, uh, and that's where we look after our sickest patients. And essentially, if you move through the department into the higher intensity areas, the decision making, the times to, that you've got to make decisions and how quickly you've got to respond, go from you know hours and minutes to seconds uh, as you get as people get sicker and sicker. So, within an emergency, the ER, the resource room, we have a relatively small team, uh, pretty tightly knit that we that that we. Um, work very closely together with all the other healthcare professionals in that group. Uh, and at times we need to call for assistance in that environment uh, to assist when we have higher and higher acuity patients. It can be a very exciting place to work. Uh, it can be a very emotional place to work as well. Um, and it can also be, uh, sometimes there are lulls and it, you know, you're waiting for something to happen. Uh, so it has these sort of waves of intensity. It's somewhere where I, I, I enjoy being. I, 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 I like that intensity and the diversity. You don't know what's going to come through the door. You're always, it's always unexpected. And yet you have this structure th- that you bring to those unexpected events. And, right. and that helps you manage those processes. And at times when the intensity is getting very, when, it, when there are multiple patients, multiply, multiply unwell, multiple um, pressures on, your, on, your, on you as an individual, it's, it's, it can be very difficult to manage, but it's also a, a challenge which I enjoy. From a leadership perspective, um, I hear what you're saying. Let's just go back to, to some of your most, I guess, intense moments mm-hmm. during COVID, which I, I like I said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm putting my cards on the table. I have no clue what yeah. that could even be like in that scenario where you're dealing yeah. with people's lives versus writing somebody, you know, like an email, which, which is stressful sometimes in business. Tell me exactly, you know, how it feels as, again, one of the more senior staff members, I guess, in a team like that. And you've also probably got a lot of juniors and people at different levels of development, right? And then COVID hits and there's a lot of unknowns around it too. Um, yeah. So what's, I guess, what's your role in that? In the first wave, we didn't know what we were dealing with. We had some knowledge, but we, there was, there was, Right, real anxiety right. about how we manage this condition. So we were relying on very core structures about how you just support someone when they're critically unwell. Um, and that, that, was, that was more anxiety driving. You know, there, there, it, it, was, it was uncomfortable uh, not knowing and uh, not knowing uh, how much risk you were at as well and, and, your, and your colleagues were at. So in that situation, it was really... How do we? How are we going to recognise this anxiety? So the first thing was to say, to as a leader, to say, here we are. I don't know either. I'm with you in here. I'm right here, trying to work out how the best way of managing this. And 
I think that when you that that was so vital in that un, in those uncertain moments to rep, to just to to be authentic and to listen to to the team. One of my roles as a, as a leader in that environment is to take on some of the stress and and, and and discomfort and try to protect some of my team as best as I can, but also to recognise that the, the the consequence on me of that and and to ask for help when I need it. So that that first way was really about you know being honest and being open and being authentic. And in a way that makes you vulnerable, right? I mean, you're because yeah. you're you're supposed to know everything, aren't you? Yeah, and and that is key. That that is key. We were all vulnerable. In some of my work in, in, in education, we, we, we talk about thinking about people really very positively, okay? And we use this very short phrase, which is about, which says, I'm okay and you're okay. It's, when it's, it's really quite useful when you're giving people feedback. You see somebody do something, a poor performance, but you can't think they're not okay. It's not, I'm okay, you're not okay. It's, it's we're both okay. Why is it that you didn't do this to the standard you want? And it's a very sort of, um, that, it's called a basic assumption. When we were in that first wave, I started talking to people about the fact that I'm I'm not okay, and that's okay. It's okay, you know. It's normal. It, it, it you know, medicine and and, uh, and senior leaders in business and medicine have this process of going. You know, I can cope. I'm invincible. This is not affecting me. Mm. Even when you're making and in business, you make some very difficult decisions sometimes, which will have significant emotional consequence for the people you're telling them to and to you. Okay, and we pretend that we're okay with it. You know, and I think the thing that I was pushing was it's to go through this experience and to say that you're okay isn't normal. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It it, it 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 is a normal part of life that this is hurting and this is painful and that you're sad sometimes and you're tearful and that's 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 not that's instead of that being the abnormal, it was it recognizing it that it's the normal and it and that's that was really powerful. I can imagine some of the younger folk in your team who have less experience, again, they kind of needed that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, you, know, you, you go back on, I've got you know, 20, 30 years of experience in that environment, and I was sharing that with people who've been in there for sometimes two weeks. And so they're looking to you to understand how, how, how does this, what does this do to you? And I think it's really important to recognize that it does change you. It does have an effect on you and your family, and and how do we talk about that? And 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 starting that conversation, having that real that 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 conversation with them is really useful. I'm just thinking about also you've got you, you know you're going to have a lot of wins, I guess in the R, but you're going to have a lot of losses too. And and again, you know, as I was you know preparing to talk to you, it's just, just a whole whole kind of horrible dimension of what what your team's going to have to do every day because they you are getting the people at you know it's the last call right in the R yeah. typically, yeah. yeah. So how did that feel for you? And did you have a responsibility to help again some of the younger folk through that? Yes. So it's it's tough, and you know, hey, some, forgive me. Sometimes it, it, you know, when you go back to these places, it can be difficult for me, you know, because I, I, I uh, it's very emotional. But people ask, what what was the difference? I mean, I, I work in research. I've worked in research all my life. You know, that's what I do. And um, what was the difference with COVID? Uh, that was just the number of people that I was seeing and the number of young people, it's like people go, well, it affects old people. Yes, it does. And it did in the vast majority. But if you have a disease that's prevalent within the entire community, you do see people. I saw people who look like you. I saw people who look like, you know, my wife or, or younger than that. And, and, and while we would have, while I would recognize seeing someone like that once a year, I was seeing that every 
every week, sometimes twice a day. And that is hard. One of the things that was very difficult was that, you know, there were no relatives. So I was having to make phone calls home to people. And that's an incredibly tough thing to do, I have to say. Um, probably the worst. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that because there's no one actually allowed in the hospital. So you've got yeah. this, this yeah. other dimension of yeah. complexity. Let me lift you back up to say Sorry. that uh, my research showed that St. Thomas's is the number one hospital in the UK with the lowest mortality rates during COVID. It um, is. So what do you think made that? There was a, definitely a systems-wide approach. We came together and, uh, and worked out policies and, and looked at our standard operating procedures and uh, were constantly reviewing that. We did things slightly differently from the rest of the UK and the rest of the world, actually, in, in the way that we treated um, COVID. I won't go into it, but but we we managed it slightly different to other to other people, and that was quite at times. That was uh, when I was talking to my colleagues outside in other hospitals. That was difficult to justify at times, but we kept on looking at it. We kept on exploring it and looking at it and getting data, so showing that we were getting decent outcomes. I think that helped. There was a really open process of questioning that occurred within the within not just my department but within the hospital. So I'd often you know have these discussions about. Why are we doing this? What uh, and we go through it. You know, we repeat. That's questioning within your team, right? Yeah, and outside, you know, in other teams as well. We're really closely with intensive care, um, and there was, and I think the other piece that was so there were lots of shared conversations that were open and honest, and the, and the other piece that we had of clearly we had a very clear uh, you know agenda. We knew we all were focused on very clear objectives, and that helped a great deal. And I suppose, I suppose, lastly, um, what helped me, uh, uh, as opposed to the hospital, was um, work I'd done with my team prior to that, prior to the process. I got lots of support and gave lots of support to some of the longer-serving members of my team. And interestingly, in my department, the longer-serving members of my team are people who work on admin, uh, people who are in security, the cleaners. Uh, often, because my junior doctors and nurses rotate quite quickly. And so they, some of those people are the longest people I've known, the, you know, it's 20 years. Right. And, and, and they were a fantastic support. Yeah. Tell me what new leadership insights, I guess, you've gathered from, from the last year. I mean, if any, because it sounds like you had everything in order. But I think the first insight I'd have is, is, is that vulnerability piece. It was right. very, I mean, I, I, I believed it before, but I, act, I acted it out during COVID and it, there's a slight difference. And I think it would, and what COVID did was allow us to, to action that and to let that spread throughout the, the department. So that was really useful. So I think, I think authenticity became very, very clear to me where we did it. You know, there were times when people were saying things and it was clear, uh, you know, obviously I, I'm a member of the public as well. So you hear the, 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 the people talking um, externally uh, and, authenticity is so valuable when you as soon as you get a, a sniff that this is not authentic you just stop listening don't you and I think that that was really clear the value of that and the last thing I think um which I mean I, I this is the, the model that that I, that I really use is is um inclusivity authenticity and compassion uh and, and and the inclusivity bit about listening to everybody's perspective was really was so so valuable um, in terms of the leadership skills early on in your career, how did you pick those up? Yeah, so I think we, uh, the the medical model is a, an apprenticeship model. Okay. Uh, so and and I use the same thing, the, the same modality that probably um, 
that that is that it's still prevalent in in all in all education modeling you know you saw somebody do something if you thought it worked well you you tried it sometimes you tried it and it it, it didn't it didn't work or it didn't suit you and so really i just was collecting one of the things that's really clear one of the biggest changes for me in terms of my leadership and the way i've viewed medicine is that the in the unwritten curriculum in medicine it's, it's sort of it's sort of vocalized you're supposed to build this concrete box around yourself so you don't show any of your emotion you remain as professional and over the course of my time i've recognized that that leaves you if you put if you if you are hermetically sealed from from what you're doing there is no contact there's no emotional contact between you and the patient and 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 and, and their relatives and and, I, and i've broken down that box and i've encouraged others to break that down yes remain professional but if you don't have any contact if it doesn't mean anything to you, if it's just a scientific exercise, you know what are you really here for? So that makes that makes sense. I, I want to just ask you now a little bit about IncaCR. So IncaCR is a company that you're founder of. So so why on earth, after 25 years of 25 years of being a doctor, would you want to also be you know kind of be an entrepreneur, take a bunch of risk and start your own business? So so tell me how that that came about. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. <laughs> a really good question. So there's a couple of things really. First one, first one was that um, I I I it, I work in medical simulation um, as one of the things I've done outside of um, my clinical practice. And as part of that program, I, I set up and, and and direct was director of a centre. And one of the programs I wanted to start while I was there was a program that went into um, unselected state schools in the area that I work in, which is South London, and encourage people into healthcare. Right. And so I decided to do, I set this program up and decided to let initially year 10 pupils from these schools come in and use exactly the same kit as uh, I use to train med- medical professionals. And it's expensive kit. Everyone's like, oh, you can't do that. It's crazy. They'll break it. But I, I decided to go, <laughs> go. Right. I, I had real faith in them. And, it, you know, it, 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 it worked. OK, it was it's a, it's a great program. It's, it's had been really effective. But I saw that I was getting year 10, I was putting year 10 people into highly complex scenarios because I, well, I didn't, I didn't dumb it down for them. You know, I, I just, I just hit, gave them the, the exactly the same stuff and they coped, they managed it and, and they blossomed and it was fantastic to see. And that started me thinking, you know, this is interesting. Non-medical people are getting something from that. And we started teaching them about leadership. We started teaching them about com- um, communication, life skills for, that were useful within the, all of their, whatever career they went into. And, I, and that really started me, that started, the, that started a thought. And the second bit was, you know, yeah, you're right. 25, 30 years in the same organization, I got to a point where, you know, you've swum in this pond a long time, yeah? There are only a certain number of places you can go to to develop, and for me, I was just really, I was interested. I wanted to challenge. I want to know what's it like out there. What's what's? There's another pond out there that all of my friends work in. I don't know anything about, and sometimes they talk about. You know, you're like, I don't know what this phrase means or this terminology. And I was just fascinated to sort of put myself in this other pond and see what could happen. And when I had, and I, and when I had this thought, this could work. That's what made me think, well, this would be really exciting. And I, so I really wanted that challenge to go and see what would happen if I went into this space and could I develop something that, that, was, that was worthwhile and useful. And I, that's the exciting thing for me is 
is is is is trying to stimulate others and help them. I've always been fascinated by how humans function and how we can optimize their function. And so, yeah, that's what made me just make this choice. And the third, I suppose the third last thing I should mention, Hague, is I've worked with some fantastic people along the way. Uh, I've met some fantastic people and I've always been massively stimulated by people who come from different domains and different areas. It, it really encourages different thought. And the idea that you could set your own company up bring those people together and then work with those people. I mean, you know, it's just, why wouldn't you do that? No, and I'm glad you did, Peter. And then welcome to our pond. Uh, but I've actually met some of your, your advisors as well. And you've got a very impressive team of people behind that. Um, one thing you've done, even, even without starting your own business, is I think just I was amazed that I hadn't really seen a medical professionals and doctors as leaders. You know, we're so in this kind of business world and, and business language that, you know, that defines, I guess, leadership very loosely in the business world um, that um, I hadn't seen doctors as leaders. So I think one thing that uh, talking, talking through this with you has done is, is the medical profession, especially some of the senior people there, have to master leadership. They have to master leadership language that works internationally because doctors do get, you know, flown around the world to all sorts yeah. of places. And I know NHS uses a lot of, you know, doctors from outside. And so, so I was suddenly seeing it in a new light, which is, wow, this is a, a, an amazing leadership profession with high complexity and a high, you know, high, high, high touch on, on other people where you've got to really know how to manage people as well as your, your area of medicine. So, so that's been amazing to, for me just to hear that. And, uh, and just coming back to Inca CR, which is the name of your company, um, and and for those listening, I I went through this uh, mind-boggling simulation. He was been talking about simulations um, last year, just over twelve months ago at the start of COVID. We were in the emergency room in St Thomas Hospital, and I was put in a role, a leadership role as a doctor. And uh, I must say, it was exhilarating. Uh, before that, I I never had any interest to kind of you know watch any hospital you know uh, shows or, or be in a hospital, but. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. I learned a lot about myself, and um, I've written an article on that, which is on my website, which I'll I'll, I'll, I'll put out later on, um, Peter. But uh, what do you think um, is the most valuable thing you've seen in some of the leaders that have been through the the, the simulation? Because I can imagine some of these are very very successful leaders, and you yes. must think, you know, I'm just I'm just a doctor, and these guys are coming to me just like I did with these amazing insights, right? Having a business where you have the opportunity to uh, work, um, engage with people at the very highest level of organizations uh, and, and learn from them as well, because, because that's one of the exciting things as well. You always learn from those people you're engaged with, uh, even if you're the person who's supposed to be the, the, the primary director of, 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 of knowledge. Right. Uh, and so... Watching those people, I mean, we we did a we did a, a program with a very large American company with a very very senior CEO. Uh, when he when we we were told when he arrived, don't worry, he'll sit at the back. He won't get engaged. He won't engage. You know, he'd arrive by helicopter. So it's quite you know you're, you're kind of if you're if you're a, a doctor, you're like wow, you know. So you're thinking that this is a high powered guy, and 
it was amazing just watching this individual get involved and, and, and incredibly involved. You know, people are, the, the great thing about the simulation is because it's medical and you're a business person, it's abstract. It's not where the domain that you work in, but it's a domain that you clearly know you understand, you've been there, the, 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 the emotional responses are present, you know, unfortunately, but it does give them an opportunity to engage in a very emotional way uh, and a very direct way. And what that does is that allows them to subsequently then reflect on what, how they behaved in those, in those formats. Now we talk to them about, um, we, we support them during that experience. So it's not about their technical skills in being a doctor, but it's about how you respond uh, and what does that teach you about yourself and the team it's, and the team dynamics as well. If you want to be able to work in a high stress environment, you have to have fantastic foundations. And those foundations are built every day, all day. You don't, you don't flip into a, te- a methodology for working in high stress. You use that methodology every day. And that methodology, when small fractures occur, will heal itself because it's, a, because it's got great foundations. That's one of the biggest reflections, I think. I saw that as well. And I, I saw um, people learn a lot about themselves because we had a debrief afterwards. And uh, and I think the more you understand your blind spots and you learn about yourself, it's going to be a lot easier. And then the other thing that I saw was, the again, the team integration that occurs when you have a traumatic crucible experience. And, and again, yours was a simulation, but in a way you be You've been living that for a year with COVID in in everyday life as well. And so I can imagine that the actual leadership that's kind of grown out of that. Um, just coming back to a year ago, this is this is the hardest question you're going to get. How how did I do? I was trying to save a man with a Newcastle United t-shirt on, I think, lying in that uh, in that emergency room bed. So how did I do? Is there any hope? Do you want to hire me? I reckon a couple of weeks I'd get you to pretend to be a doctor pretty pretty effectively. <laughs> So, Peter, we've talked a lot about stress and we've talked a lot about managing high performance teams. How do you de-stress when you get out of the hospital environment? What do you do? Okay, so that's a that's a great question. Um hey, as you as you may be aware, as you're aware, when we talked about how when we met, I developed a, a model for um how we look after uh, ourselves and our patients and our colleagues. That's called the circle of care. The first circle in that circle of care is how you look, is looking after yourself. And so self-care was vital for all of us. We all recognize that. Personally, Incredible. I really, I did a bit of yoga beforehand, but I started doing yoga pretty much daily. And I would, after, after a difficult shift, after a really tough shift, I'd come home and I would do an hour's yoga on my own. And I, I have to admit that helped. It, it still meant that I was, wasn't perfect, but doing yoga helps. Doing regular exercise helps. Um, getting outside helped. All the stuff that you know so much about was really useful. And then having my colleagues and other people who are working in the same environment to, to de-stress with was really helpful. I think you said you played five-a-side football as well. So is that with with people in the set, you know, from the hospital? No, no, that, that we, we've haven't haven't had many opportunities to play in the last year. It's it's with no 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 medics. So that's also really important. So it's really important, actually. I found to have the medics, the healthcare professionals, and the non-healthcare professionals, and to have those two different spaces where you can talk about stuff that's you know you get away from it. Peter, earlier in the series, we had a leader 
in renewables talk about what was crucial to enabling transformation, care, courage, and collaboration, and um, about being critical to, to a good leadership journey. So it, it seems the parallels there are amazing to, to what you've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's that thing about that. When I was talking about that circle of care, that, that previous to this, care, I think, has been seen as a linear thing, a linear process. I give it to you. It's linear. And I, and I have to admit, when we were talking about this and developing this, we've always had this idea that the patient is, uh, you know, put the patient first, you know, to not put the patient first is, 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 is some sort of sacrilege. Yeah, I, I guess in business, let's say, let's not put the customer first. You can't say, that. you know, you can imagine people, you know, but what I've come to recognize, and I think that was really important prior, it helped massively in COVID, is it's very short term, you know, yes, if you burn yourself out by putting the customer first and your colleagues and you burn your colleagues out by putting the customer first, it's a short term, you, what, what's the end result? Poor quality care. That's right. So now we have this circle where we put the patient in the circle with us and our, and our colleagues in this, ver- in this circle that goes both ways. Then you have a, a, a process which can survive and is resilient and, and works. And that's so liberating to recognize it, looking after yourself, looking after your colleagues, is vital. I, I can see that, and I can see it's worked for you, for your team, for St. Thomas Hospital. So, again, amazing sharing today uh, on Between the Lines. I appreciate you being on the show, and it's been great to chat. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always great to speak to you. Anything you want to to tell anybody about anything before? We... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, stay safe. Um, I understand it's been really tough for many, many people across across all of our society. Um, I'm The biggest thing I'm hoping is that we actually do learn as a society and come out of this better. That's my, my, my great hope, that so much suffering has to produce some benefit in some way. Thank you, Peter. Take care. Thank you all for listening. What a fantastic chat with Peter J today. I really enjoyed it. Hope you did too. Look forward to seeing you again next time on Between the Lines. Remember to share and subscribe, and I'll see you soon. Take care.